0: a great um, song for how I'm feeling. That'll wake you up a little bit. Ah, God is good. Can you say amen to that? Uh, I would like to say uh, from the bottom of my heart uh, how much I appreciate uh, Pastors Trent and um, Hannah and the work that they've done here. Uh, it's taken a uh, kind of an extra special load this particular month and... Um, Uh, You know, I just want to um, thank the Lord for them publicly and thank uh, Pastor Trent for doing such a fantastic job. I know he's done a great job bringing the word in this series, New Year's Revolutions. You know, how many of you uh, know that if you make a resolution and if you truly follow through with it, it will revolutionize your life? Now, if you don't follow through with it, all you did was um, nothing. <laughs> it's, like, it's like every year i make a I make a New Year's resolution just about every year to use the treadmill at our house. I use it once and discover why I don't use a treadmill at our house. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's a worse thing than a treadmill. I hate. I, I don't. For some reason, I just don't anyway. Somebody said, well, listen to music or watch television or do something, but you're still on a treadmill. But, um, so you could say, man, I'm going to exercise. You know, I've, I've purposed in my life to um, be a bodybuilder. I'm just building it in the wrong places. <laughs> but, um, you know, how many of you, how many of you know that, that you know, if you really are going to revolutionize your life, it takes some measure of action on your part to make that happen. You know, I mean, it's like um, you're not going to be fit. You're not going to um, be a bodybuilder if you don't exercise. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to make the couch work, but it hasn't worked so far. You know, I mean, you, especially ours, because now we have what we call, um, affectionately in our home, we have in our living room what Raylene and I term as our old people furniture. Our um, old people furniture no longer requires you to even put any effort in reclining. It has buttons and it reclines electronically. You know. The, the only time that's bad is when somebody rings the doorbell because it takes forever. Like, I'm coming, I'm coming. It just takes forever to get out of the chair. How many of you have? How many of you have an old people? See, I got some. I got some people joining up with me there on that. That doesn't even take any exercise now. It just so I, I haven't. I haven't been able to figure out how to make the couch work for the for the exercise and the body build thing. But if you, truly, if you truly make a resolution and you truly follow through with it, then it should revolutionize your life. You should see some benefit, something. I think that what is true in the natural sense is also true in the spiritual sense. Underlying this particular series has been an idea that, you know, we probably haven't been as forceful with it, we probably have just sort of let it simmer on, on, on the back burner of the messages, but if you really look at the heart of, of what Christ is seeking to do in us, that as 2 Corinthians 5.17 states, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. That, that you, you when you were saved, just in that moment, instantly, everything that the kingdom of God has to offer is invested in you, and you are a new creation in Christ. But yet... As we all recognize, you have to unpack that. You have to uncover it. I don't always see the new creation flowing from my actions or flowing out of my lifestyle or however you want to say that. There are, there are times where I still look a whole lot like the old guy. But yet I know, according to this verse, that because I am in Christ... A new creation has come that the old is gone and and the new is here and I trust that and I believe that but now I'm working through the process and so are you. We're working through the process. The process of this new creation that that has been afforded us through Christ. And for me, I, I recognize that there are certain things that produce results in our lives that That are really necessary to unpack this new creation, to uncover this new creation, this new creature that I am in Christ. There there are certain actions that must be done. Just like exercise in the natural, this exercising the spiritual things. And for all of these years in the church, the ancient church history, these These things, and this is that underlying kind of that underlying message of, of the of the series, is, is this thing called spiritual disciplines. spiritual disciplines. Now when I spoke two weeks ago on the subject of prayer, the spiritual discipline of prayer, um, I, I made mention of this that spiritual disciplines do not save us. We're not saved as a result of our actions because because you can't work your way into salvation, but the spiritual disciplines help unpack or uncover the new creation that we are in Christ. And there are tremendous benefits that go with doing these things. For instance, we spoke on prayer. I've said for years, and it's it's kind of a it's kind of an obvious statement that I've said for years that the 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 most common. Unanswered prayer is the prayer that was never prayed. I mean, even even Scripture tells us that that the action of prayer... Now, there's no angel praying for us. There's not some out-of-body experience. No, you you have to do the praying. but, But yet, Scripture shows us that there is a tremendous blessing that comes from prayer. Matter of fact, St. Chronicles 7.14, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked way, then I will hear from heaven. Then, I mean, God literally speaks to us saying that if you'll do this, if you will pray, then I will hear and I will answer. And all of these blessings of forgiven sin and, and, and finding the face of God and the land being healed, all of these wonderful benefits will come to you if you'll do this, if you will pray, God said, I will hear and I will answer. And so, and so we pray, and we pray in faith, and we, we pray believing that God can do miraculous things. Miraculous things. I um, I didn't mention this in first church. I, I I probably, I probably should have this. We had a healing crusade in the Philippines um, last Thursday. Um, we we assembled several several hundred people in this in this building, and actually the. The, the healing crusade was just sort of an introduction to an area where we where we don't currently have a church. That they're planning on they're planning on starting a new campus um, in that area that's called Pantuckin, the area of Pantuckin. and and so really this healing crusade was a way for us to uh, just sort of not only see God work miraculous things in people's lives, but also to introduce the ministry to that area. And, and it was very successful as far as all of that goes. And there were many, there were many miracles that took place. And um, Shane, who is the, who's the president of, of the ministry, he, he's got a real anointing when it comes to praying, especially with Filipinos uh, for healing. And, I mean, just we, we saw some amazing things happen. But, but in, the, in the midst of all that... Um, as As Shane was praying with different people and, and 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 you know these great things were happening in people's lives of so Jeanette, one of the who is now our our director our Philippine director, um, her husband and her pastor, one of our churches, and they're just founding members of the ministry and and she motioned at me and called me over there to her, and she wanted me to pray for this for this lady who had what she said was an obstruction in in her nostril. It was in this in, in her right nostril, there was a tumor or an obstruction there, and it was giving this lady headaches, and um, she was unable to breathe through this nostril. And I asked Jeanette, because they were speaking the Philippine language design, I, I asked Jeanette to ask the lady, I mean, could this... And I didn't want to embarrass her. It was a young lady. And I didn't want it to be embarrassing. So I asked Sister Jen, I said, I said, would you ask, can you see this growth? Can you feel it? And so Jeanette touched her nose, and yeah, you could feel it right in there. And and I'm like, well, can you see it? And the lady said that you, you could see it. So Jeanette grabbed a a flashlight off of a phone and... Pushed her nose up like this and looked up in there and, and she said, "Yeah, there it is. You can definitely see it. It's just right there." And and I went, "Well, let's pray. You know, let's pray for it to go away." And it was really, Dave. It was really just sort of nonchalant, to be honest with you. I mean, there had all this other stuff going on, and 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 I'm, I'm like, you know, let's let's just pray. And so I, I put my hands on her, and I just prayed this like this crazy. Simple prayer. I mean, just like Lord, because that's the way I pray, you know. I just, I just sort of, I don't, when I pray, I don't use like the king's English and go through Latin and all of that. You know what I'm saying? There's no like Celtic humming hymns come out, nothing. It's just sort of like Lord, she's got a growth in her nose and it's, it needs to go. So I'm just praying right now for this thing to disappear. That's about to, that's it. said, no, no, I didn't feel a goosebump. I didn't get a shudder, nothing. I just had my hand on her head. I prayed that very simple prayer. I put my hands down. And I don't know what got a hold of Jeanette because the minute I quit praying, Jeanette goes, try to blow it out. That's what I figure she said in design because the woman started trying to blow her nose. And, and then they looked at the cloth and there was nothing there and I could almost feel a tinge of disappointment coming from them. And um, and I just got this crazy idea to say, well, look up her nose again and see if it's gone. And I'm telling you, the look of shock on Pastor Jeanette's face—I wish I could have had a camera out to take a picture of that moment when she looked up that nose and and that growth was gone. It was just gone. You know what I'm saying? Just gone. And 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 she looked at me with this look of shock, and she goes, "It's gone." And I'm like, "Well, we need to testify about this." And so we were bringing people up that were that were having creative miracles. That that would be a creative miracle. I mean, something that you can, you don't have to go. You don't have to go back to the doctor if a growth is there and then it's gone. Then you, it's just gone. And I mean. The, I'm telling you, both on that lady, because then she started. She she closed this nostril. She started. She said, "I can breathe. I can breathe." And and it was so it was so amazing to see God answer that prayer. And and it's even more significant when you understand that um, that's their only hope. I mean, if Jesus doesn't heal it it's they they don't have money or even the kind of medicine that that we have i mean there are very expensive hospitals there um that they can't go to and and so there's clinics and they really all they all the clinics really do is just offer. Pain medication for comfort. And, and you know, I mean, when you, when you go into, you know, Shane a couple of years ago on one of the trips was put in the hospital and, um, and the IV they put him on was a glass bottle IV left over from World War II. Now think about that for a second. They are still washing those glass IV bottles and are still using them. And this is what they have. And so when you see this lady have this tremendous creative miracle, I mean, that was everything to her. And it came because someone prayed. And so you think to yourself, you know, what would happen if we hadn't have prayed? Well, the the most common unanswered prayer is the prayer that was never prayed and that's a spiritual discipline the spiritual discipline that is working in someone's life and unpacking this new creation uncovering this thing that that God has done that that God has made us this people this people of faith and this people of miracles and this people of transformation that I'm, I'm, not, I'm not who I used to be, even though I may still carry some attributes of that person that God is still working on. That, that something is taking place in, in my life that's more than me. It's bigger. And that's a revolution. That's taking that idea of a resolution, saying, Man, I resolved to do this, and it's taking it to a whole new level that my life is being revolutionized by this new creation that has taken place. See, These are helps. And I believe that God wants to bless us in every area. And I'm going to talk about an area here that is indeed yet another spiritual discipline. And, And I think it's very important for us to examine this often because Of all of the areas of our life, this particular area is one of those areas that just can't be left alone. You can't set this on the shelf of your life to just sit there because if you ignore this area, it will, by neglect, spin out of control. It just does. Matter of fact, here is the resolution that I think we should make. <clears throat> and then hope for a revolution to come from it and 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 I you know I just feel this so strongly in my heart the resolution is i resolve to steward my finances in a god honoring way i resolve to steward my finances in a god honoring way how do i honor god in this area of my life matter of fact The spiritual discipline here is is the discipline of frugality. That's to be frugal. That, that, That means to be smart, to be precise about how you about how you handle this particular area of your life. See, when we become good managers of God-given resources and we steward those resources in a God-honoring way, it revolutionizes not only the way we think about finances and possessions, but it revolutionizes the way we use them. And I I think that even a cursory look at Scripture will reveal to us that Scripture is very clear on the subject of money and possessions. It's very clear. Matter of fact, Scripture declares to us, we're going to read here in a second, but let let me get your mind there before I read the verses. Scripture declares to us from the very words of Jesus that wherever our treasure is, or wherever our finances are, or wherever our money is, our heart will be there also. Matter of fact, Scripture tells us that money and possessions is a heart director. Matthew chapter 6 beginning with verse 19 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in to steal. Listen to this, for where your treasure is, There your heart will be also. Your heart is going to follow your treasure. That which you value. That which you esteem. Then he goes on to say in verse 22, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body be full of darkness. And if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now listen, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, the whole discourse... It's about finances. And Jesus is speaking to them saying, listen, if you will honor God with this, if you will steward this in a God-honoring way, your life will be better. Your life will be full of light instead of darkness. And your heart will follow your treasure. And, And I do believe that God wants our heart to be in His kingdom. Our hearts should be focused on God and not things. I will say this with all honesty and with everything that, that I can in this service today, I will say that I absolutely do not believe that God wants us to be poor. Follow with me. I, I don't believe that The issue here is whether or not we have money. The issue in these verses is whether or not money has us. The issue here is, is what are you worshiping? I mean, I don't know if you've looked around lately, but it's pretty easy to trust in money. It's pretty easy to worship money, and money to become an idol, or even a god in someone's life. We tend to think, man, if I just had money, everything would be good in my life. If I just had money. And then when we get money, it's very easy for us to trust it and for it to become something more than it is. Listen, Money is a resource given to us by God. Possessions are a resource given to us by God. I believe God wants us to have it. Matter of fact, I do not believe that God wants us to be down and out. How does the kingdom of God get any glory out of a people who are down and out? I mean, what a... Terrible testimony. Come, be a part of the kingdom of God where you will be poor and destitute. Come to my church where God will keep you lowly and humble and broke. I don't believe it's the will of God for us to live hand to mouth, for us to live paycheck to paycheck. Matter of fact, I am thoroughly convinced that God wants us to have more than we need so that we can be generous. See, God doesn't want us broke. He wants us generous. But at the same time, God doesn't want us to trust in those resources. He wants us to trust in the one who provides them. It is God who provides them. God is the one who should be worshipped. God is the one who should be trusted. And I am very thankful for the resources that God pours into the lives of his people. And so so we've got to try to figure this whole thing out about, okay, then how do I steward these resources in a God-honoring way so that I can live the blessed life? because I want to live the blessed life. And so so how do I do that? Well, 2 Corinthians 9 gives us kind of an overview of, of, of how God wants this to work in our lives. We'll begin with verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. Listen, I don't think it's a coincidence that... That Paul turns this thing back to exactly where Jesus had it. It's a heart matter. He says, decide in your heart. To, what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And He says here, that, and I, this could be taken wrong, so just flow with me for a second. He says, if you sow a little, you'll reap a little. If you sow a lot. Then you'll reap a lot. There's no condemnation in either one. He's just being very clear about the fact that the harvest depends on the seed. And so if you sow a little seed, then you're going to get a smaller harvest than if you sow a lot of seed. It's like, are you, are you going to sow on an acre you're going to get a one-acre crop. If you sow on 10 acres, you're going to get a 10-acre crop. There's no condemnation, either one. It's just, listen, when you sow, just keep in mind that the harvest is in proportion to that which is sown. And then he goes on to say that you must decide in your heart what's right for you, what's right for your family, what's right for where you are in your walk with God. And you decide in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, nobody is twisting your arm and saying if you, if you don 't give god 's going to hate you and you 're going to be cursed nobody's say, he said no, God loves a cheerful giver he doesn 't want someone to be a compulsory giver he doesn 't want someone to be a coerced giver, he wants you to be a cheerful giver why because it 's where your heart is so I mean I thank God for the reaping of the blessings in my life, but I'll be honest with you. I I love to give to the local church, and most of our family giving is to the church right here at Triumph. And the reason why is because a huge part of the blessing is, is being able to look around and see that where I have given is blessing other people, children in children's ministry, young people. A lot of times on Wednesday night, I'll just walk out there before we start in here. I'll walk out there and, and just sort of walk around and look at all them crazy young people out there throwing basketballs at each other instead of the, uh, instead of the hoops. I don't know why they do that. But, um, you know, and, and dodge, you know, you got you to gotta dodge things. But, every, it just, but man, we're ministering to young people and that's a, I have a part in that. You know I mean? Just the thought that we have lights on today and heaters were running at some point. I know I had a part to play in all of that. You know, I can look around and see where the money is going and the blessing of the Lord working on it. And so that makes me a cheerful giver because my heart is in the kingdom and my... oh. where my heart is I can see the blessing and I don't do that under compulsion I do it cheerfully but then it says in verse 8 it says and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times having all you need you will abound in every good work there's a whole lot of all there as it is written They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. This is eternal. When we invest in the kingdom of God, we're not just investing in this world. We're investing in the eternal. There's an eternal benefit. But look at verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. So the resource comes from God and there are two types of seed that God gives. He gives seed for us to sow. That's where the the next harvest is coming from and then he gives us seed for bread for food, that seed that is ground up into meal and is consumed. The problem with the second level of seed is that once you grind seed up, it loses its reproductive value. And so, and so the writer's writing saying, "Listen, there's two types of seed God's given you in your life: that which you sow and that which you consume." But it says here, He will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched. In every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God wants us to have more than we need so that we can be generous. <clears throat> you will have to forgive me as I struggle through this cold I brought it home from the Philippines. It's an Asian cold. I feel so special that I got home and everybody else had it too, so it's actually an international cold. Today, I want to offer a suggested strategy. A suggested strategy. From these verses. On on how do we honor God how do we steward our finances in a way that honors God how do we do that maybe we talk about it but how do you actually do it well the first part of this strategy I'm going to go ahead and get this one out of the way the first part of this strategy is this that I steward a portion of my finances to give everybody say steward to give See, this is the sowing part. This is the sowing part. That he's writing in these verses talking about sowing. Sowing is giving. He he, he specifically, specifically says what you give, cheerful giver. So if you are going to honor God and steward your finances in a way that does that, then you you have to recognize that, that... God is saying that in all of your spending, in all of the things that you do, don't grind up all of the seed and turn it into bread. Don't do that. Because in order to truly honor God in this area, there needs to be a portion of seed that still has reproductive value that can be sown back into the kingdom of God. There's a tremendous, tremendous value in understanding this particular aspect of our stewardship. Because in, in reality, this is also the blessing part. I am absolutely convinced that when we honor God with the principle of first, he blesses us from his storehouse. And for my family, we steward a tithe. So that's 10% biblically a tithe means a tenth. So we steward a tithe out of our increase but also we steward spontaneous offerings. And some people say well you know what's a tithe then we say well, a tenth and then other people say well what's a tenth? Well you just you got to move the decimal point but but it, the the truth of the matter is it's it's Ten cents on the dollar, one dollar on ten, ten dollars on a hundred, it's, it's a tenth. And then the offerings are beyond that in our life. That, that, there's, that there's this thing ticking in us that, that we're going to steward our finances in a God-honoring way. And the way to honor God with this is to first set aside a portion. That's the portion to give. Now, that takes a little bit of budgeting, I understand. Because the truth of the matter is, what we said last year in the series Life, Money, Hope, what we said in that series was that, uh, you know, statistically, the average American spends over 130% of their annual income. In other words, we're spending over 30% more than we're making. He said, How are you doing that? Well, you do it with credit cards and all of those things. But but that's a problem, see? Because you can't be generous if there's nothing to be generous with. And so when you steward your finances, which means you take control of them instead of the money controlling you, you start controlling the money. You, you, you have to restructure some things. You, you have to. You have to cut some things out. You have to get rid of some things. There has been more than once in, in our family's dynamic and, and that Raylene and I have sat down and we've looked at it and, we've, and, and then we said, Well, you know what? What we need to do is we need to get rid of that car payment. We just need to sell the car. More than once we've sold a car because it was costing us more money than we can afford. And we downsized. And we've we've been able to do that on multiple occasions, you know. We we made it well. I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm just trying to give you some helpful advice here. I mean, we we made we made a, a, an agreement that we just wouldn't buy any more new cars, at least for the for this portion of our life. That that it was just better for us to buy a used car. You. With a few miles on it, so that so that you can you can pay it off quicker. I mean, and and, and so you know, so we buy used cars, and we've been able to structure it to the point now where we only have one car left that even has a car payment. And that's freeing. That's freeing. Because it affords you the opportunity then to continue to structure and continue where you're not spending more money. Okay, is this just way too plain or y'all just call kind of staring at me right now? It's kind of scary. But it's structuring your life so that you can honor God and and in, in order to truly honor God, you have to steward a portion to give. There's a tremendous blessing when we honor God with our giving. I'm thankful too that I can look around and I can see that blessing working. And I said, like, man, my, my you know, I just my heart, my heart just feels so Cheerful when I'm able to do that. Every time I've ever been, I think, to the Philippines, I, and I, I called them out in first church, so I had to call you out in second church. Uh, we were here yesterday praying at, uh, at our twenty-one days of prayer and fasting and and, and 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 my my phone lit up while we were praying, and I noticed it and I looked, and it was a it was a, a message from our pastor in Pendison, the Pendison Church in the Philippines. And it's just a picture of a of an air conditioner sitting in the wall, and all it says is "is air con installed, Pastor Rob." And so I had to. Dave and Karen were here, and I had to steal over to Dave during that prayer, and I I showed him the picture, and I said, "I said, well, that's where that money you they, they always give cash." give us cash, and, and to go to the Philippines, they said, whatever you want to use it on, whatever the need is, whatever you want to use it on. And I told Dave, I said, that's where that, that's where that offering you gave, we, we went to help, we pulled our money again, and we bought this pastor and his family an air unit for their living quarters. Why? He has a wife and two small children, one very small baby. And we bought that pastor and that family an air conditioner to give them a creature comfort in their sleep. They don't run it during the day, but they run it when they sleep. To cool that cinder block room in in 95 degree weather, humidity 98%. Yeah, that's what we were doing while all y'all were having the ice storm of 2017. And so we we had a part to do that. You know, and I just I just feel like he probably preached better today, having been able to sleep with an air conditioner running in his house. I just felt like I felt like, you know, we and, and we could we can have this joy of knowing that, man, I had a part to play in that. We blessed that pastor and his little family. so there's a there's there's this multifaceted level of blessing that comes when we when we give it then the second thing, if you want to honor god, if you want to honor God in your finances, I think this is this one is very important, and that is that you steward a portion to save you steward a portion to save. see God wants us to have more than we need so that we can be generous but if there's nothing to be generous with Dave Ramsey talks about getting a thousand dollar emergency fund a thousand dollar emergency fund and then you then you build toward making a bigger emergency fund and and you're putting money aside It's you know the lot of times I call it rainy day funds you're putting money aside so that if some event were to happen that you would need cash, for instance, maybe a tire blow out on your car and you need cash. Well, instead of putting that tire on a credit card, well, you, you reach over into this reserve and you pull it out and you, you have cash to pay for it. And I believe that we honor God when we also steward our finances in a way that, that we're putting some money to the side and saying, you know, here's the money that we're giving and here's the money that we're saving and we have this, we have this tremendous area of overflow in our lives and that may take some restructuring. I mean, it might, be, it might take a lifestyle change. You might have to seriously look at where's the money going and where can we tighten the belt. If you're able, I will tell you that your life would be better if you're able to begin to honor God in this area of your life where you can steward this in such a way that you have a portion that you give and you have a portion that you save. Which leads us to the last area that I want to discuss and that is if we're gonna honor God in this area of our life we're gonna honor God with our finances we not only steward a portion to give we not only steward a portion to save but then we steward a portion to satisfy our our needs in other words we pay our bills and we buy groceries and we take care of the other felt needs in our lives It takes a plan. But if we're truly going to honor God, I'm going to say this real plainly. If we're truly going to honor God with our finances, I believe God wants us to pay our obligations. Well, praise God. As a matter of fact, later on in Matthew chapter 6, Later on, just six verses later from where we ended a while ago in verse 31, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He's speaking very directly about money, and he is saying to us, As a people that if you will steward your finances in such a way. God knows what you need. And God will take care of you if you will trust him. And if you will learn to steward the resources in a way that honors him. And it honors him when we give. It honors him when we save. And it honors him when we fulfill our obligations. Matter of fact, I am convinced that God doesn't want us worrying about our needs. But in order to revolutionize, revolutionize our lives in this area, we've got to learn to be good stewards. to take a budget it's going to take some restructuring in some of our lives but our lives a year from now will be so much better if we will you won't you won't be wringing your hands you won't be worried about it because I'm telling you this stuff works it works. And God wants us to live stress free in this area. He said, Don't worry about it. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. But we have a responsibility to steward it in a God honoring way. Would you stand with me today? I I hope I've brought something that will help you. It's a spiritual discipline, the discipline of frugality. (laughs) I'm going to steward it. Okay, three talking points. I don't want you to miss them. I don't want you to miss them. You steward a portion to give. You steward a portion to save. And you steward the rest to meet your needs. Did y'all get that? I encourage you as families, those of you that are husbands and wives, I encourage you, sit down together and make a plan. Sit down together as a couple, as a family. You might have to, if you have teenage children, you might have to get them involved. Say, quit spending so much money. Okay? but come up with a plan as a family to say how are we going how are we going to honor God in this area where can we cut what can we cut out see here's the problem we get so overwhelmed with needs that a lot of times we cut out the things that we need to not be cutting out we cut out giving and we cut out saving what I'm saying today is, is you need to restructure so that you can a portion to give a portion to save and a portion to meet your needs. Does that make sense? So you don't need to be cut these okay. You you want to just wring your hands for the rest of your life. No, you don't. So change the behavior now. Because a year from now, you'll be going, Man, Pastor, my life is so much better. You have absolutely no idea. Things are so much better. Because I started saving a portion to so to give, I started stewarding a portion to save. I started stewarding a portion. and I, I, I got my obligations. I restructured my obligations. Got out from underneath some stuff I didn't. I, 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 I just needed to sell and, and restructure. Come on, somebody. Not the end of the world. But it's the beginning of a new life. It'll revolutionize your life. Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name for your help. I thank you for your strength, for your power, for all that you have done. I ask you to help us grasp this today. Help us do something good with it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue our worship day in our giving. It's a great time to start. There are three ways to give here at Triumph.